Welcome to another episode of the Sports Mecca podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Hengeli. Today, we are joined by ESPN College Basketball play-by-play broadcaster Mark Neely to break down the first half of the 2023-24 Big 12 men's college basketball season. Mark, we appreciate you coming on the podcast once again. Steven, Sam, always good to be with you. And uh, got to support the uh, Sports Mecca podcast t-shirt. Appreciate you guys yeah. giving that to me. Much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whenever we get a chance to uh, actually meet our guests like in person, we have to provide them with some merchandise. But as I mentioned the introduction and as we talked about before we recorded, this is all going to be really focused on the Big 12 men's basketball season. Since you've covered this conference for years and since you've covered a lot of games on ESPN through the first six or seven conference games uh, of each each of the teams, what's your impressions, early impressions on – the conference so far i'll tell you what steven it's i think we're those of us that have been around the big 12 uh when it was just a 10 team league for so long are still trying to wrap our heads around the additional four teams and not that we didn't know a lot about ucf and cincinnati of course houston's been been good for a really long time uh we we knew these teams were going to be bringing something to the table here i I don't think we knew that byu was going to be that good if you look at the preseason poll which is done by the coaches. So these, you know, these are guys that are in the know. Uh, they weren't getting a lot of respect, but they played really well. I mean, West Miller, Cincinnati team, UCF beats Kansas down in uh, Orlando not long ago. So absorbing these other four teams in, uh, for me, is kind of taking a little mental process. Uh, we got used to the ten teams where we had a true round robin, you know, and, and that's the one thing I will absolutely miss is the true round robin where you had to go on the road to everybody in the conference, and they had to come to your place. So that's gone. It's just one of the things we have to live with, a fact of life, to add those uh, additional four teams. Uh, and then the conference is going to have a whole other look next year when OU and Texas, two mainstays, are gone. And, you know, we had the, uh, the four Pac-12 schools, and, and we get to 16. So right now, Houston is the best team. Uh, I don't think that's a huge surprise to anybody. Uh, the, the game Saturday against Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse is probably going to be the game of the year to this point. And I think there's a lot for Kansas to gain out of this because with, with the stumble at West Virginia and UCF, uh, I think they need to make a statement on their home floor against the most physical team in the conference. Yeah, so that's a – speaking of Houston, that's a good segue of what I was going to ask you. Houston, they got LJ Cryer in the transfer portal. Um, and then there's other transfers like Hunter Dickinson of Kansas, Max A. Smith of Texas, and Oklahoma's Javion McCollum. There's several others, but I just had, I'm headlining those four. And out of the ones that you've seen, I know obviously you've, you've, you've covered KU, Houston, OU on ESPN plus so far, you know, what have been your thoughts on those transfers 
of how they've provided, you know, success to those programs? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one, Stephen, is still Hunter Dickinson for several reasons, uh, not only because of his size and the different things that he does as a low post player that can also go out and shoot threes and, and the, the matchup uh, headache he can give so many opponents, but it's just that Kansas really is not a very deep team, and it's something that Bill Self has talked about from the get-go. He's fortunate that Johnny Furphy uh, took over for El Marco Jackson in the starting lineup. El Marco seems to be doing better coming off the bench as a true freshman. And Furphy, with his three-point shooting ability, has been a, a big plus. But then kind of figuring out six, seven, and eight, you know, has, has been a struggle for Kansas. There, there, there are so many teams in this conference that have a ton of depth. Kansas is not one of them. Uh, and Hunter, Hunter Dickinson is one of those guys they can't do without. So I think he's still been the most valuable total guy that has come to the Big 12. And he was certainly the most sought after because uh, he went to a lot of different schools and looked around and uh, – Let's just say the NIL money was not low. It, it took a lot to get him to, to leave this. Yeah. So, obviously, um, if you had watched the game on on Tuesday, Marco Jackson scored in double figures against Oklahoma State oh. at Allen Fieldhouse. Oklahoma State, worst team, um, just record-wise from the conference. And I don't think it's a big surprise because of the construction of the roster. Now, what Mike Borton did is, is old school, and it's something that really doesn't get done much now in the era of the transfer portal, and that's he got five true freshmen to put on his roster, two of which are regular starters. And that's just something you don't see anymore in college basketball. For college coaches, they say, in this day and age, we want to get old and stay old. They did the opposite, Oklahoma State. And – I understand the rationale that Mike Boynton had because several of those guys are from Oklahoma or from that region, and he did not want to miss a chance at, at recruiting some quality freshmen. But I tell you what, it is extremely difficult to win in the Big 12 at any point, but especially when you're as young as Oklahoma State is. So they, they did get their first conference win not long ago, so they're 1-7 in conference play. But it's not a huge surprise because you got to learn how to win in the Big 12. Uh, and you got to have some experience. And Oklahoma State just doesn't have a ton of experience. Bryce Thompson went down in that Kansas game with a separated shoulder. Uh, so they've, they've taken their lumps, but I'm, I'm not too surprised. I just hope for Mike Boynton's sake, he gets to stay around next year and that those freshmen stay around because, uh, you know, now you got to recruit every year. You can bring in those true freshmen, even if they're McDonald's All-Americans. That doesn't mean they're going to be with on their sophomores. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now these teams aren't as bad record-wise as Oklahoma State, but you know you had a chance to obviously cover West Virginia, beat Kansas, and Central Florida beat Kansas, both on their home courts. Talk to us about you know those programs aren't off to a great of a start in conference play, especially Central Florida. You know, first year in the conference. Talk to us about what you've seen from them. You know, UCF, uh, one of several teams that are three and five now in conference. A lot of depth. I mean, Jalen Sellers is a really good player and a great scorer. He had a big night against Kansas. Uh, the big man, uh, Ibrahima Diallo, and they have length. I mean, Johnny Dawkins has a good squad. He has a, another one of those teams that I was talking about that has a lot of depth. I mean, he can play 11 or 12 players if he wants. Uh, usually in the Big 12, you want to get your rotation down to seven, eight, nine tops. So he doesn't play a dozen every game. But – for me, West Virginia is now a different animal because of Jesse Edwards coming back. He started for the first time since he broke his wrist last night. They beat Cincinnati. 
Uh, Jesse Edwards is a transfer from Syracuse. And in my mind, he is one of the top five big men in the nation. And he broke his wrist uh, uh, midway in December. So he had missed conference play uh, at the Kansas game. I remember Bill Self coming up to me before the game. And he had he said he had uh, an inclination that Edwards was going to play in that game. He did not. He did come back off the bench against Oklahoma State last week, kind of got his feet wet. But last night he went 25 and 10, you know, a double-double, 25 points, 10 rebounds. So West Virginia is a different animal now with, with Edwards, and they had already beaten Kansas, obviously, without him. So watch out for West Virginia. They're one of those teams that's also at 3-5. and five. Edwards makes a, a totally different change for them now. They're a team you don't want to play. Mm-hmm. So KU's K.J. Adams won Big 12 Most Improved Player last year. Who's a player that you think could take home the award this season? Ooh, wow, great question with, with so many teams uh, now. It, let, let me just speak to KJ if I can, because for me, when I look at the, the big four guys of Kansas, with, with, you know, with Harris and McCuller and, and KJ and, and uh, Hunter, they all bring something different, obviously, to the table. But for me, the guy that's kind of the glue for Kansas is KJ, because he can defend one through five. He continues to always improve uh, as an offensive player. Uh, they asked him four or five games ago. They said, hey, we need more rebounds from you. And then boom, boom. He had a couple of double-figure rebounding games back-to-back. So Kansas fans and KU doesn't want to lose any of those four for any significant period of time. But but K.J. Adams, to me, is kind of the guy that, that puts that all together. Thinking about who might win that award now at the midway point, really difficult for me, especially with all the new teams, the, the players that have come into the conference. So let me hold off on that. I appreciate where you're going with it, but I don't want to do anybody any any justice at this point as to who may be the most improved. But if, if we chat uh, towards the end of the year, I, I can definitely give you a candidate. So we talked about the most improved player possibly, but I want to talk about one of the most improved teams in the, in the Big 12 with the Texas Tech. Brent McCaslin took over the program after uh, the uh, dismissal dismissal of the Texas Tech's previous coach Mark Adams what has gotten them back on track and what do you think of uh, Texas Tech right now for me Grant McCaslin uh, couldn't have been a better hire uh, at Texas Tech and, and not only is he a really good basketball coach and, and showed that uh, at North Texas the last handful of years and then being on Scott Drew's staff in the Big 12 so we had known about Grant uh, and that Scott Drew coaching tree just continues to, to kind of infiltrate into different conferences, including the Big 12, because you got a couple of guys with Jerome Tang, obviously, at K-State as well, and uh, Paul Mills down at Wichita State. But Grant, man, a great basketball mind. That's, the Big 12 is all about great coaches. Grant fits right into that mold. I give him credit for this because the two coaches prior to him there, one Chris Beard and then Mark Adams, both kind of left under difficult terms. Uh, for Chris Beard, it was basically resurrecting that program. That may be too strong of a word, but he turned United Supermarkets Arena in Lubbock into a true home court advantage for Texas Tech that they had not had until Chris Beard got there, at least in, in recent memory. And it has stayed that way. And Mark Adams, who really was the defensive guru for Chris Beard, took a chance when Chris Beard said, okay, hey, told his staff, we're going to Texas which for Texas Tech fans is the ultimate sin because if you ask them who's your biggest rival, it's always Texas for Texas Tech. If you have a Texas fan who the biggest rival is, you're going to get different answers, but a lot of times it's going to be OU 
But for Tech, it's about Texas. So when Chris Beard left to go to Texas, which is actually where he went to school, he offered Mark Adams to come along, and Mark took the chance. He said, hey, look, I'm not getting on the plane to Austin with you. I'm staying here. I think I got a chance to get this job. He got it, left under some difficult circumstances. But one thing Grant McCaslin has done is he has he has really gone back and looked at the legacy of those two guys, and even though it wasn't a long one for Mark Adams, has spoken publicly and, and to the Texas Tech fans, hey, Chris Beard did great things here. I know you're not happy that he went to Texas, uh, and then now he's gone to Ole Miss from there. But he did some things for this program that still are around. And Mark Adams, yes, yeah, he wasn't around long as the head coach. But what he did defensively and what he's done for this program, their, their legacies and their fingerprints are still on the program. And Grant McCaslin was not shy about mentioning their names. He didn't back away from them at all. I respect him for doing that because a lot of Texas Tech fans have a bad taste in their mouth with those two guys. I don't agree that they should. And I think Grant did the right thing. I'm really impressed. He's got a really good team. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk again about the uh, the Houston Cougars. Uh, you mm. saying that they're favorite to win the Big 12 as of right now. Got a terrific team. Uh, Ken Palm to, has them on top of the on their uh, analytics. Uh, talk about what it's like seeing uh, Kelvin Sampson back in the Big 12 since he was the coach at Oklahoma for many years, is now back in the Big 12. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Kelvin Sampson being back? Uh, I've, I had a number of Houston games with them in the American Conference over the last three, four, five years. So I've gotten to see Kelvin again since his time at OU and then when he was at Indiana. And I'm really happy for Kelvin because I think he's a tremendous coach. He's a really good guy. Uh, he has, I guess, reinvented himself is not the right word, but he's kind of molded to the game of today. The reasons that he left Indiana uh, and got in trouble with the NCAA, all those things that he did then are all perfectly legal things now. Not that that makes it right. Uh, but Kelvin has put together a team. He knows what the Big 12 is all about. And he knew he was going to have to bring a, a physical team. And I don't think there's any more physical team than Houston. And that's saying something in the Big 12, which for me is by far the most physical conference in all of college basketball. The way the officials officiate games, you just watch and look at it. It, 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 it no question is. And for me, Jamal Shedd, I mean, Shedd is an absolute beast. The only thing that he's done that has confused me is in the Texas game on Monday night. They're tied with, I don't know, 10 seconds left in regulation. And Houston has the ball and they give it to Shedd. And it's he is the best head esteemed downhill driver in the conference. And they ISO him on the right side. And you're thinking he's going to just drive, either hit the bucket to win the game or get fouled and win it at the line. And for some crazy reason, he shoots a, a three that's an air ball. And the game goes into overtime. And eventually, Houston wins it. But besides that, every time I watch Shed, I just look at him and I'm like, man, that's a guy I would not want to get in front of. Uh, he is a beast. He is unique in many ways, even in the Big 12. And he kind of, for me, he's the heart of that team. And the way he plays, the physicality, and how good a player he is, uh, he, he he's just a lot of fun to watch, and I'm glad I'm not trying to defend him because he's he's a load. Do you think they'll have enough shooting to make a deep run in March? Yeah, you know, Sam, that, that that's always the question, and, and for any team, even the teams that 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 really shoot the ball well, all it takes is one bad shooting day, and, and you're out of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think that's the question with a lot of teams. You know, that, that that's a question with Kansas because Kansas doesn't mm -hmm. shoot a ton of threes usually you got to have enough balance where you can score uh, inside and, and shoot the three ball well enough. Kansas, they average 
I want to say like six made threes a game. And I don't have all the numbers from recent years and, and the Bill Self years, but that's probably one of the lowest numbers in quite a while under Bill Self. So that's the question. That I, I, there are just so many teams. It's going to be interesting to see how many teams make it from the Big 12. You know, is it going to be double figures? Or are we going to see 10, maybe 11? I think it's all very possible, especially now that West Virginia has Edwards back. Uh, you know, Texas, Cincinnati's got length. BYU kind of reinvented themselves with their last game uh, against Texas. They really have always depended on their three-point shooting, and then they started driving the ball inside and had success with that. I'm, that's why I'm curious to watch them uh, against West Virginia on, on Saturday in Morgantown. So uh, who would you say in the Big 12, would if you had to choose like five teams in the Big 12 that could make the deep a deep tournament run, who would the five be? Obviously Houston, uh, Kansas, Baylor. You're giving me five, so I've got two more. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, I will say Iowa State and – I'll see, it toss up for me between Texas Tech and TCU. Uh, right now, I would go with TCU, the way they've been playing just the last uh, few games. And, and they really took one on the chin, obviously, in the first game of conference season against Kansas with that controversial uh, flagrant foul on Uday. Yeah, I like TCU a lot. I love their toughness, their guard play. Mm -hmm. They got good depth as well. Jamie Dixon, a great coach. And that was funny, though. I think last weekend, Ernest Uday got called for that flagrant foul in uh, Waco. <laughs> the biggest piece for me for TCU is Emmanuel Miller. In, in the Big 12, you've got to have an alpha dog. You know, for Kansas, that's become McCullough, which they need him back from the bone bruise that, that he didn't play the other night against Oklahoma State. Definitely need to have him against Houston. But it's Emmanuel Miller for TCU. He was incredible in that Kansas game. Uh, and he, he's the guy that when TCU needs a bucket, and there are, they've got a lot of guys that can get him buckets. But Emmanuel Miller is an alpha dog. I believe it was Emmanuel Miller who had the probably most incredible stat last Saturday too. Was played all like fifty plus minutes, mm -hmm. committed zero fouls. Like to go play in a college basketball game for that long and not commit a single foul is incredible. Yeah, and hard to do in the Big Twelve, and especially when you're the focus of the other team. I mean, Emmanuel Miller is the number one offensive focus which you can be lured into offensive fouls all the time in this conference when you're aggressive like Amanda Miller. So, yeah, really noteworthy to play that many minutes and, and not, not, not even get one foul. So I want to give you the crystal ball and uh, make a mm. prediction a little bit for the Big 12. What will the record be for somebody to get a share of the Big 12? What's going to be the record in conference play? You know, you, know, you got Houston and Kansas the last weekend of the regular season in Houston, you know, and I, I think it, it's no secret when the Big 12 people, I'm sure, when they were making the schedule, uh, that that's by design. Uh, I, I think Houston, after a couple of stumbles to start conference play, you know, they've, they've won five or whatever, six in a row since then. They're definitely going to be a team that, that's contending for it, if not the team that wins it in the end. I think even if they do win it, they're probably still going to have five losses. And I think there's an outside chance that a team that wins this conference or shares a part of first place could have six, but I'll, I'll go with five for sure. Whoever wins it, whether it's Houston, Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, whoever will have at least five losses, conference losses at the end of the season. Yeah, it seems like uh, looking at the 
the previous few years, it feels like five has been the one of the key one of them mm -hmm. for like most of the years. Some years it's a little bit less, but uh, I would say five would be uh, about right to me. Do you think for a team, whether it's, it is uh, K KU or Houston, going thirteen and five would earn them a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? Absolutely, yes, uh, I do. Stephen, really weird would have to happen for whichever team that wins or at least shares uh, a part of the, the conference regular season title wouldn't be a one seed. Now, there's a way for that to get derailed when you get into the conference tournament, obviously. If uh, whoever that team won or teams uh, were an early out uh, in Kansas City in the tournament, I'm, I'm pretty confident that one of the four one seeds, when it's all said, then it's going to be at least uh, one Big 12. So I want to kind of like go to Big 12 football for a moment. And I'll talk about KU football. Yeah. Um, it was announced uh, this week that they'll be playing their uh, Big 12 games at Arrowhead and their non-conference games at uh, Children's Mercy Park where uh, Sporting KC plays. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Kansas Jayhawks playing in uh, Kansas City for uh, a year? Sam, first off, the, the stadium – what was originally described as a remodel, I think, maybe was the right word, was definitely an understatement. I think me, like many people here in the Kansas City area, thought you know we'd see little parts of the stadium come down and maybe some remodeling going on. But when you go to, go to Lawrence and look at it, it's basically been a demolition. I assume, I would have to safely assume that everybody at KU knew what the plan was, but for many people, the fan base and alumni and all, I think they were a little surprised. Like, wow, this is a much bigger project than we anticipated. So there was a, a stretch where it's, even the school is like, okay, where are we going to play our home games? Which is a big problem because when, mm -hmm. when you have what, what Coach Leipold has done since he has come to Lawrence and, and reestablished Kansas as a power in the Big 12 and got their first bowl win in forever, to not be able to tell recruits – where their family is going to be able to come watch them play is, is a problem. Uh, so I, I would give the Chiefs a lot of credit. No, number one, I think it's, it's natural for non-conference uh, where, where Sporting KC plays. That'll, that'll be an interesting – it'll be a good venue where the weight's kind of laid out. If, if I'm the Chiefs, you know, this is the NFL. The NFL is the top dog in the world of sports. You know, I know that, and everybody knows that. And a grass field like Arrowhead, the last thing you want to mess with is some college team coming to your facility on Saturday and messing up your field and you're playing on Sunday. Now, I don't know how much coordination there's going to be with the Big 12 and the NFL schedule where, you know, is Kansas going to play on a Saturday or only on weekends when the Chiefs are out of town? I don't know. I, I have not heard that. But I'll give the Chiefs credit. I mean, they, they, they're very civic-minded and that they opened up Arrowhead really helped Kansas, quite frankly, and KU. Because if, if Arrowhead and the Chiefs say no, you know, are you going to play your conference games uh, there at Children's Mercy Park as well? You know, that that, that would have been hard for KU to kind of sell that to the fan base. So the Chiefs kind of bailed them out on that. Yeah, and, and I also think – I think about, too, like uh, – I think it might – I think it'll work out fine. I think about Pittsburgh, the Steelers, and the Panthers both play in a, at a, what mm -hmm. used to be called Heinz Field. And then uh, I know yeah. that – the U and the Dolphins share a Hard Rock Stadium together, so there is teams that do share, like a college and NFL team, both play there. I'm gonna guess though, like 
the Chiefs will probably play Thursday nights, maybe some weeks when KU ha- plays at Arrowhead. Maybe they have like a Thursday, Saturday, or like a Monday night football game for the Chiefs. But it'll be interesting how they coordinate that. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. But for like a one-year thing, I think it's uh, great for uh, Kansas football. And, and some of the matchups they'll have, they'll get to play at Iowa State at Arrowhead. And then their last home game will be against Colorado with mm-hmm. Coach Prime. And I think that yeah. game is going to sell out based on uh, Colorado and Dion's just the brand. Yeah, you no know, question. It's him. And now you can tell, you know, all your freshman recruits or transfer portal guys who are coming in now, like, yeah, you're going to play your home conference games in an NFL stadium. So it, it's worked out really, really well for Kansas. Probably couldn't have worked out any better than that. And you're right. There, there certainly are other facilities that host both uh, a collegiate team and an NFL team. But if you haven't been doing it, you know, and it, it's been exclusively the Chiefs, uh, you know, and then it's kind of like, wait, wait a minute. You want to come do our house? What, what do you want to do at our house? So I, I'm with you. I, I I would doubt there are very many, if any, where the Chiefs play uh, or the, the, the Jayhawks play on Saturday at Arrowhead and the very next day the Chiefs would be playing on Sunday. That would just be a nightmare to hand your grounds group. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about uh, the uh, Big 12 tournament, and I want to talk about a little bit of the format. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain, like, like how they're going to do it this year with the 14 teams? Will we see, like, Tuesday <laughs> games? Are we going to get, like, a double buy? Like, how is this going to work? I've been asking that same thing, Sam, and, and I'm pretty sure they have it ironed out. But even when I ask coaches who are reluctant to, to look too far ahead, uh, to answer your question, there is, I believe, Tuesday games now instead of starting on Wednesday. So don't quote me on this. But the, the question I had also is now next year when you add two more teams, the consensus has been they do want all the teams to be eligible for the conference tournament. Even if you finish 0-18 in conference play, that, that you're going to have a chance to salvage your season. And I think that from – all the coaches, they want to see that continue to happen. But that, that brings up the logistical issue. You know, that and, uh, and you got the women also playing at, at T-Mobile now and not at Municipal, granted at a, at a, at a different time. Uh, but I want to see how they mix it all together. Just the media day today, was exa- the, this past year was exhausting because usually we're used to 10 teams coming in there. We get it started about 9 a.m., 8.30. And right after lunch, we were all finished talking with the 10 teams and done. When you added the other four teams – this year, heck, we were there till dinner time. You know, all those of us that have been at the Big 12 media days in Kansas City for years, like, wow, this is a really long day. It's going to be even longer uh, starting next year. It, it is a logistical issue, and I don't think, Sam, that everything's been ironed out, but it, it's it's going to make for a lot of long days at, uh, at T-Mobile Center for the, for the Big 12 tournament, but great for fans. Just a lot more hoops that uh, we get to see in Kansas City. Yeah, more hoops, uh, more oper- more time at the uh, Power and Light District, just an extra day to yeah. go out to P&L and just uh, be able to come down to Kansas City. Uh, I just think about how much economic impact that's going to have with having another four teams in, especially like you think about where the locations with like Florida and then you got Cincinnati, BYU, and then Houston. Yeah, that's another issue, Sam. And I, I don't know the exact year, how many more years it, it's in Kansas City for sure, but I know it's at least a handful or close to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know when you add the Pac-12 teams now coming in next year, at some point, you know, somebody's going to want to have it, you know, in Denver maybe or in Vegas or wherever 
outside of Kansas City. I would hate that being a Kansas City resident. I think it's worked out really well. And when you talk to at least the 10 teams that have been in the conference prior to this year, I don't, I don't think you really found any of them complaining, even the Texas schools, because there was a few years back in the day when Dallas would get the Big 12 tournament, which would have been a lot easier for the Texas and maybe even some of the Oklahoma schools. But I think everybody has loved Kansas City as a venue. It has not been a hard sell with the, the, the previous 10 teams. I hope with the, the four this year and then the other four that we're going to add uh, next year, you know, have some Western and Southern roots uh, that they'll stay on board with Kansas City. I think, too, being Kansas City, just being in the central part where, like, everybody's, mm -hmm. like, just pretty much has, like, a pretty good distance. Like, if you had in, like, Denver or Vegas, then that would not be good for, like, the West Virginia, Cincinnati, the UCS that have to travel yeah, a lot farther exactly. out there. And then, you know, and when I talked, Sam, to, to, like, the UCF fans there uh, when I was in Orlando or you talk to Cincinnati, I, I think their natural inclination is to say, well, it's in Kansas City. That's a huge advantage for KU uh, or K-State. And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. But to me, the team that, that has the biggest home court advantage is Iowa State. They, they bring the most fans consistently every time to Kansas City. And I think that surprises the teams that haven't been into Big 12. Like, Iowa State, really? I'm like, yeah. And when you come to Kansas City in March, you're going to see it because the Iowa State fans are going to come out and yeah, no doubt about that. They love uh, Kansas City. They uh, they spend their money, that's for sure. <laughs> they do indeed, Steve. Mark, you know, the second half of the Big 12 conference season is going to be really, you know, ramping up in this month of February and then early March. Just give us two or three storylines that Big 12 fans should just keep an eye on for the teams that are – either competing to win the league or you know, make the tournament? There's so many good storylines. And I'm really curious, Stephen, to look two, two and a half weeks from now, because right now with the exception of Oklahoma State at the bottom at one at seven, I mean, you've got another 13 teams that are basically just kind of right there in a log jam. And there's going to be some, at some point, some separation. You know, is Kansas – going to be one of those teams that stays in the upper couple of teams. But with the way Iowa State's been playing, TCU recently, Texas Tech, I mean, that's no guarantee. You normally anticipate, hey, Kansas is going to be one of the teams that's vying for it, and, and I'm sure they will be. But when you throw more teams into the mix, that just means more teams are, are, are going after the same price you are. I, I'm curious to see where Oklahoma goes. Oklahoma last couple of years were just not very athletic. Porter Moser looked and said, I, I got to get more athletic. And they did. Uh, J.D. McCollum, who had a better game against Kansas State on Tuesday, he, he's a really good guard. The transfer from Siena. He's fairly slight. He's 6'2", listed at 160 pounds. And in the Big 12, defenders are going to get in your, into your body. They're going to get into your face. And, and for, for transfer portal guys that come in especially not from the Power Five, Power Six conferences, it, it gets to them after a while. And, and I think Tyler Perry at K-State's the same way. When the physicality of the Big 12 hits, and you're used to playing, and, and the Americans, you know, that's a really good conference as well that, that, that Tyler Perry came from from more Texas. But at Siena and the MAC, uh, you know, I, I don't think J.V. McCollum was getting guarded like he is in the Big 12, and that bothered him. And I think Porter Moser said, look, you got to get over that. You, you can't sulk about it you got to get physical back. you got to charge, and he played much better against K-State the other night. 
So where's Oklahoma going to go? So I think they have the athletes to make a run, but it, it, it's going to be crazy because with the exception of Oklahoma State because of their youth, and I wouldn't be surprised to see anybody that's right now in, that, in, the, in the top 13 wind up finishing in the top five. Bora, can uh, people uh, follow you, uh, Mark? Uh, do, do you have anything you would like to uh, promote? No, not really, Sam. In, in the day of social media, I am one of the few people that uh, have uh, restrained myself from social media. Not that it doesn't serve a purpose, but we're doing Big 12 hoops. We, we enjoy the fans. And I know, uh, obviously, the Big 12, you, you can see us on ESPN, ESPN2, and Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. The streaming for Big 12 now on ESPN Plus is really, really doing well. If I can give get everybody a little peek behind the curtain. I know initially the fans are like, wait, wait a minute. I got to get another platform and I got to do what? And how do I get the games to stream them? But it's become more mainstream, more acceptable. And it is not unusual for a Big 12 game on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, a streaming game, to have 800,000 people watching it, which is equal to or maybe even a little better than a lot of the games that appear on a linear channel like ESPN2. So Big 12 now uh, on ESPN Plus is doing really well. There's been a lot of great matchups on it, and it's become more mainstream and more accepted by the fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Steve and I have the ESPN Plus app. Uh, if you want to watch some Big 12 basketball, download get the uh, ESPN Plus app. You don't just get uh, the games. You also can get like some great 30 for 30s and other uh, ESPN documentaries mm. and other uh, things. So it's definitely something worth having besides your Big 12 uh, hoops. Oh, there's so much content on ESPN Plus. You would you would spend lifetimes, plural, lifetimes trying to, to watch all the, the, the great content on ESPN Plus. That was not a promotional ad. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, just give us an updated schedule with the game, the Big 12 games that you will be covering this week, this week, and then in the weeks to follow. Sure. Uh, the uh, This weekend, I have BYU at West Virginia this Saturday in Morgantown. And the next week, I'm at Oklahoma both on Tuesday and on Saturday. It's BYU-Oklahoma on Tuesday and Oklahoma State against Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, I, uh, besides college basketball and college football, for ESPN, I do college baseball and college softball as well. And college softball's early season main tournament is the Clearwater Invitational. And for the third straight year, I will take a week off the, uh, the regular season of the Big 12 schedule and go to Clearwater, Florida, and do 12 softball games in a four-day span with the top 16 teams uh, in softball. So that's two weeks from now, and then I'll come back and close out the uh, the Big 12 season. I do know I've got a trip to Moody Coliseum coming up. Oklahoma State and OU, the return Bedlam game, and Stillwater's an ESPN2 game, that one coming up as well, just kind of off the top of my head. Hey, Mark, you know, it's always a great time for you to come on our podcast. And you know, Sam and I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to speak with us and give us an inside look of the Big 12 basketball season. Hey, Steve and Sam, always play, always a pleasure to talk to you guys on the Sports Mecca podcast, uh, especially because you guys love Big 12 basketball like we do. I mean, for me, doing Big 12 basketball in, in the, the wintertime, there's nothing else I'd rather do. And it's fun to be a part of, and the conference continues to evolve and change, and you bring in more teams, and it brings more flavor. 
And it's such a blast. And I'm glad guys like you have an interest in it and bring uh, bring the Sports Mecca podcast and Big 12 basketball to them as well. So always fun being on. And thanks for what you guys do. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the time. Steven, Sam, anytime. Thanks, fellas.